that's happened to anyone who has studied the scriptures and been honest about what they read. But what you have to understand is the Bible does not contradict itself even one time. When you, when you see something that appears to be a contradiction, what's happening is you don't actually understand it yet. And it just requires some, some more study. And um, because everything reconciles together perfectly. But, you know, there'll be a season where you're studying one thing in the scriptures and God will be doing something globally. Like globally, God has been revealing grace uh, to people who would be, you know, willing to receive it. And God's been, you know, bringing people out of legalism and things of, of that nature. And then the enemy always tries to push people too hard and put them in the ditch over here. And so what we endeavor to do with every fresh revelation that God is stirring is we want to bring it back into a place of balance. And we always want to let the scriptures interpret the scriptures. Uh, that's, that's what you want to do. You don't want to allow necessarily someone's gifting or someone's charisma uh, to determine what is true. How I many you know you have your own Bible? And it would be wise to study it yourself and not to just study it um, in, in the, the language that you're, you're reading it in. Study it in the original language. Study it in the Greek. Study it in the Hebrew. Study it in the Aramaic. It's super easy. It's free. I mean, you know, there was a time when you had to buy all kinds of stuff in order to make that happen. It's not like that anymore. It's all right there online. And you can study it all. And uh, so it's important to do that um, so that you'll have your own relationship with God. Uh, but so also, so also because you won't just be following a person. How many, everybody here, you're called to follow Jesus? Now, thank God for leaders. Thank God for pastors and, you know, preachers and all the fivefold ministry gifts. We love those things. But there's a reason that you have your own Bible. Can I get an amen? And so it's important to study those things out yourself. And so um, what I'm looking to do is I want to talk about, and I won't accomplish my full goal today. We, we've taken a long service. Uh, God's done some amazing things in worship, so I'm going to cut my message down and we'll pick it back up on Sunday. But um, do you, let me, and I'll just present it to you as a question. Do you reap what you sow or do you operate under grace? Do you reap what you sow or do you operate under grace? Or is it both? And um, we're going to take a look at that in these next uh, however many times it takes to get this out. Because we've been getting a revelation of grace and understanding a revelation of grace, and it's changed all of our lives. I dare say that most of you are probably here at this church because you've had a revelation of the gospel and the goodness of God. And then, um, how many know that you can learn a truth, but the people teaching it could have taught you wrong? Or could have had bad motives. You know, I came out of a, a, a period of time when there was a, a, you know, there's a restoration of the reality that God wants to provide for you. I mean, oh, God wants to prosper you financially. Can I get an amen? I would encourage you to say amen to that because God, God doesn't just want to take care of you. He wants to take care of people through you. Never, ever just want just enough. That's the most selfish thing you could ever do. You want to have more than enough because God wants to help people through your life. And if you look at the scriptures, um, 
poverty and God actually don't mix. You know, God is, God's not broke. God is rich. And uh, God wants His people to have. And so, you know, because we had a period of time where people taught, they preached like it was, uh, like poverty was just a part of what God wanted for our lives. And that's not true. And what happened was it kept the church broke. And uh, the world had more money than the church did. And so the world had a, a larger voice to get their lives out. And the church didn't have enough money to get, their, get the truth out. So I went through a period of time where that was when I got come into the kingdom, God was correcting that and bringing a balance to that. But that stuff got crazy and got way off. And we got preachers that got super greedy and um, they, they were taking everybody's money and they were, everything was about giving. And so it started out being balanced, but then it ended up over here in the ditch. Every single service, all it was about was money. It was all about giving the pastor money, giving the pastor money, giving the pastor money. And so... That God does not honor, how I many you know the love of money is the root of all evil? And there are those that have loved money and pierced themselves through many sorrows. And I, th- I feel like we've seen a lot of uh, casualties on the battlefield, so to speak, where we had preachers and ministries fall in love with money, and it was all about the money and not about the people. And so um, sowing and reaping was taught... Um, I think initially it started out pretty good, but then it got off base, so much so that I don't want to hear anything about sowing and reaping. I don't want to hear anything about giving or money. Preach start talking about money, click, you know what I'm saying? Preach start talking about faith, click, and I turned it off. But then eventually I had to get to the place where if it's in the book, it's true. And so I want the truth, and I don't want all the stuff that's added to it. Now, and so I say all that to say when we're going to be talking about seed time and harvest, um, and sowing and reaping, I want to just kind of give you some heads up so I don't, so you don't go back to maybe some abuses that you've had. I mean, if you've been abused in an area, when you hear that area, it can bring you back to a place of abuse. Someone's been abused sexually, it can be a challenge for them to enjoy sex until they renew their mind out of that. Someone's been abused in marriage, it can be a challenge for them to enjoy marriage, um, someone was abused by a father or by a mother, it can be challenged for them to enjoy that type of relationship. But how many know God wants to redeem all of those relationships, or all of those things? Can I get an amen? God created these things. So sowing and reaping is good. And, and, uh, and, it's, and it's actually the, the, the biggest portion of sowing and reaping has nothing to do with money whatsoever. It's a very small portion that actually has to do with money. But anyway, so let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. Can you turn me up just a little bit? Because I don't feel like I'm going to be very loud today. I'm just going to be very conversational. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11, I just want to go through a few scriptures here, and we want to establish this reality about seed time and harvest. Um, Genesis 1 and verse 11, it says, then, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed. Everybody say seed. seed. And the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed, everybody say seed, seed, is in itself and on the earth. And it was so that the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed, According to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself, according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. I mean, if God made everything and didn't give it seed to reproduce itself, it all would have died in the garden after the first generation. God set things up that everything has seed so that it can continue and it can pass on. Genesis 1.29, I'm just going to read a few scriptures to you. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, and to you it shall be for food. So 
he, they were given seed so that they could perpetuate creation. And how many know not only did the plants and the trees have seed, how many know the animals had seed? How many know the people had seed? How many know everybody in here, you're a product of seed? Everything that you see, everything that, that, that you experience on this planet is the product of some form of seed. Seed is one of the most miraculous things in the world. It's something that, that science cannot create. It's something that is not alive, but when placed into a place of darkness and all the things that have to happen, um, it will bring forth life. Science can study seed. Science can look at seed. They cannot ever create a seed. They'll never be able to because they're not the creator. Only the creator can actually create a seed. And then if you go to Genesis chapter 8, it makes a statement about something that's going to, a couple principles that are going to be in effect throughout the entire time that earth exists. Now, once earth ceases to exist, I don't know what type of principles we're going to be operating in, but, right, but as long as there is an earth, these are some things that are going to continue. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, it says, While the earth remains, so as long as we got the earth, we got seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So these principles, the principles of the seasons and the principles of seed time and harvest are going to happen as long as there's an earth. How many of you know the cross did not change seed time and harvest? And there's a lot of things that changed when the cross came. Seed time and harvest is not one of the things that changed. Because God said, I've instituted that this will be around as long as the earth is around. But, a lot of time, but what we happen a lot of times is we have people that think everything's grace and nothing is seed time and harvest. And then we have other groups of people that think everything's seed time and harvest and nothing is grace and both are wrong. There is grace and seed time and harvest and they actually operate together and they complement each other. And so we're going to take a look at that. So um, first we want to quickly establish that grace is not... Let's look at grace first. So Romans chapter 5, please. And we talk a lot about grace, so I don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but I also want to make sure that we're all on, on the same page because God wants to give you things that you have not earned and you do not deserve. You have to know that because grace operates. Now, I will say this, and we'll take a look in a minute. Grace began as a result of seed time and harvest. And we're going to look at that scripturally. But now that it's instituted, how I many you know I can come to the cross, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, lying, cheating, awful human being, and I can receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I don't have to reap everything that I've sown for the past 20 years. How I many you know I have an opportunity to reap what Jesus has sown? And that's where grace comes into play. Amen. And so Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift. Everybody say gift. Yeah. I mean, you know, when something is a gift, you can't earn it. When something is a gift, you can't earn it. When something is a gift, you can't earn it. When something is a gift, you can't sow for it. You can't plant a seed. See, if, if Dan comes in, and he's got some squash in his hands. And he comes and he gives them to you. How many know that squash is a gift to you? 
But Dan sowed seed in the garden in order for it to come to pass. But when it's given to you, it's a gift. See, the reason that we have grace, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, is because there was a seed that was sown and His name is Jesus. Jesus was the seed that was sown. And we're going to look at that scripturally in just a moment. But what, I, what we have to begin with, you have to understand, is the grace of God cannot be earned. It cannot be deserved. You can't sow for it. You can't believe for it. You can't do anything other than just simply receive it. And so uh, the gift of righteousness. How many you know? And the gift of righteousness means right standing with God. How many you know that you don't earn your standing with God? Amen. How many you know that, that, that no one's going to get to heaven and knock on the door and say, I deserve to be there? No, amen. I like to lay it out like that because it makes it a little more clear. You can't earn right standing with God, amen. I mean, you know, there's nobody in this room that's more right with God than somebody else. We all are equally right with God. One person is not more right with God than now. You might, if someone's not saved, they're not right with God, their light switches off. But when they receive Jesus, they become right with God and they don't earn it. How I many know it is a gift? It's, it's crazy how people try to sell the kingdom of God. People try to sell right standing with God, or people try to sell forgiveness of sins, or any of these. All that is garbage. The, the, the blood of Jesus is not for sale. It is for free. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. And you also can't even sow seed for it. You can't do anything for it. It's, it's by grace. And so grace, is in, in, the, in the Greek, is the word charis, and it means initially it means unmerited favor. What does that mean? That means it's something that's unearned and undeserved. It's just given as a gift. Just like the squash that Dan came up and gave somebody, that is a gift. Right? You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. And then it goes on. Grace is also the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. And so grace is going to come to you for free. It's going to set you free from your sin. It's going to make you right with God. It's going to gift you with all your gifts and your call. I didn't earn this preaching calling. I'm called to preach. I did not earn it. I was a drug addict atheist. In fact, I was the least likely person to preach. And I'm still amazed that I preach. And I've been preaching for over 20 years. And I'm amazed that I'm here. Because I did not earn that or deserve it. How many of y'all that came by grace? Can I get an amen? Everything that comes from God comes through grace and faith. Amen? And so Romans chapter 11 and verse 6, uh, it really lays it out in this passage and gives us a very important understanding of the difference between grace and works. It says, For if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. And what he's doing is he's saying, It's not works, it's grace. It's not works, it's grace. It's not works, it's grace. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. Only thing you can do is receive it. Can I get an amen? And I'm, I'm, I'm pounding home a point before I step into something else. And then um, Romans chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, um, What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So how many know Abraham did not earn his right standing with God? How many know Abraham believed a promise? If we take a look at Abraham's life, how many know Abraham made a lot of mistakes? Abraham pimped out his wife twice. I mean, that's the reality. That's the no bones, no punches reality. That's what he did to save his own life. I mean, oh, that's not real honorable. And Abraham lied about it. So Abraham did not earn or deserve anything from God. What Abraham did was when God gave him a promise, he believed it. Everybody say grace. grace. It's by grace through faith. Amen? 
And then Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified or declared right with God by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. So the grace is presented, and the way you receive it is you just believe. This has nothing at all with seed time and harvest. You don't sow for any of this stuff. God sowed, God sowed for it and gave it and gave you this grace as a gift. Okay? And so there's no, there's no sense of reciprocation on your part to receive really anything from God that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. We just have to boom. We have to settle that thing, right? And we're strong in that in this church, but we need to talk about that before we move forward. Now, let's turn to Genesis. Now, grace is the product of a seed sown. Genesis chapter 3, and we take a look at the prophecy of redemption. We see Adam and Eve have just fallen in the garden. They've just made a huge mistake. And God is already implementing His plan of redemption, and it involves the seed of a woman. And He, he lets everybody know, we're going to fix this thing, but we're going to, we're going to do it through the seed of a woman. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, this is God speaking. He says, I will put enmity between, talk, He's speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. How many know the seed that he's talking about is Jesus Christ? How many know that Jesus bruised the serpent's head? Can I get an amen? And now Jesus' heel was bruised in the process, but how many know the cross was not the destruction of the Son of God? How many know the cross was the destruction of sin and the enemy and death? Can I get an amen? But it came through Jesus as a seed. Now, John chapter 12 in verse 20, and I know we're kind of rolling here, but I want to give you some foundation. Uh, somebody, someone is coming, and, and they want to talk to Jesus. And, you know, periodically Jesus will be like mundane and practical, but sometimes he just slips over into the prophetic and starts talking about stuff that nobody knows what he's talking about. This is one of those moments. And, and so they're like, hey, we want to see the Lord. And Jesus has said, well. And then he just starts basically prophesying. And so he was cool like that, right? Uh, John chapter 12 and verse 20, it says, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, here he goes into the prophetic. He said, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So they want to see Jesus. And Jesus is like, it ain't time to see me yet because you're not going to see me till I'm a seed that's sown. Once I'm sown, then you're going to see me. And what, who is the harvest? Right here. You are the harvest. I am the harvest. How I many know we are sons and daughters of God? How I many know now people can see the harvest? How I many know that harvest? of Jesus' seed sown has been going on for a couple thousand years. Can you get an amen? It's fantastic, right? And so um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 21, we find out here, uh, for, for Jesus reaped everything Adam sowed so that we could reap everything that Jesus sowed. The cross was the great exchange. On the cross, I mean, Jesus never wronged anybody. Jesus never sinned. But there was this little tiny clause in the law that allowed Jesus to take sin upon himself. I love how God does things. It says, whoever hangs upon a tree is cursed. And so Jesus didn't hang himself on a tree, but because he was hung on a tree, it was an entranceway 
for Him to take all of that curse upon Himself, every sin that you have committed, every sin that I have committed, past, present, and future, for all of humanity of all time was taken and placed upon Jesus Christ, and Jesus reaped the harvest of Adam's death. And that He died the death. And that He killed death with life. He killed death with life and He rose again from the dead. And it was at that point that He was a seed sown. And then now, how many of God wants to bless you like you have obeyed like Jesus obeyed? This one's the more challenging one to understand. Why? Because the same, He that knew no sin became sin. So that you could become the righteousness of God in Him. What does that mean? God has given you Jesus' righteousness as a gift. Your right standing with God is not an action. It's not your church attendance or your Bible reading or any, anything little like that. No, your righteousness is a person. And when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you step into Christ. How I many of you know you're now in Jesus? Is there anything wicked in Jesus? Is there anything bad in Jesus? Anything dirty in Jesus? No, 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 no. How I many of you know you're in Jesus? Can I get an Amen. So you are now the righteousness of God. You are inside the ark. You are inside the place of deliverance. Now, God wants to give you everything that Jesus deserves. And that's why when you pray, you pray in the name of Jesus. You're not, you're not putting Jesus at the end of your prayer as an inner button to send to God. No, you're coming in the person of Christ. You're, coming, you're, you're saying, I am in Christ, so I pray in Jesus' name. I mean, we hit that spot in worship where we were just saying yes over and over again. Jesus is the yes. Jesus is the amen. All the promises in Him are yes and amen. So when you come, you are coming to God in the name of Jesus. You're coming to God in the name of His righteousness. Can you get an amen? amen? And what that means is there's nobody that's any better than you in this room. And there's nobody any worse than you in this room because it actually has absolutely nothing at all to do with your physical conduct or your mental conduct. It's the fact that you've now been born again and you've been baptized into the Spirit of the Son of God and now you have a right to every promise of God based upon His obedience and not your own. And that's where grace comes in. And when we receive an abundance of grace and we receive this gift of righteousness, we have the ability to reign in life. I'm talking about ruling in life. I'm talking about heaven operating through you. I'm talking we want to live in days of heaven on the earth. We want it in our marriage. We want it in our children. We want it in our school system. We want it in our finances. We want everything. We'll kick the devil out of our, our lives. But it only happens through you understanding that you don't earn it or deserve it based upon yourself. It is a grace gift. We've got to get stronger in that. In, in the body of Christ, because we're never going to have all that God wants for us as long as we're weighing ourselves in the balances. If we all weighed ourselves in the balances of our good and bad conduct within this last week, we, we're probably going to disqualify to receive anything from God. But you're not on trial. The blood's on trial. The blood, you have to understand that you are never on trial. The covenant's not even cut with you. The covenant's cut with Jesus. The weak link has been removed. Who's the weak link? Us. I'm now in Christ. You're in Christ. You get everything. So this should give you a boldness to take what's yours because it's been given to you as a gift. It's all by grace. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. We're going to get so strong in that that we're not going to doubt it anymore. And we're not going to hang our heads and we're not going to let condemnation come into our lives. We're going to put our shoulders back. We're going to have confidence and we're going to display to the earth the glorious liberty of the children of God. And church is not going to be a boring place. Church is not going to be a place of rules and regulations and, and sin remembrance or sin management. It's going to be moments like we had during worship today where you could feel the presence of heaven. You could feel God. And you could feel exciting things happen. 
That, there's a, that there will be a display of the glorious liberty, but it's only going to happen as we embrace the reality that the cross was a success on our behalf. I need you to know that you're right with God. And you need me to know that I'm right with God. So that when we join hands and we join arms and we walk in the family of God, condemnation is not among us. I don't care what mistakes you made in the parking lot. I don't care what mistakes you made last week. Now listen, your mistakes will jack your life up. Sin will kill you. Don't get it, don't, don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted right there. Sin will kill you. It will kill you as a saved person. It will kill you as an unsaved person. Sin will kill you. But as far as the cross is concerned, as far as heaven is concerned, as far as the judge of all the universe is concerned, the gavel has come down in your favor and you are declared as innocent and you are declared as righteous because it is the blood that has cleansed you and there is nothing ever more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Even more powerful than creation itself. How can you say that, Jeremiah? Creation had no enemies. Redemption has an enemy. Redemption, how many know the devil is trying to resist redemption? There's a resistance, but how many know that that the cross sealed his fate and the game is actually over? We're living in a 2,000 year old victory. There is nothing separating God and man any longer. God has, God said, but but, but the one thing we got to do is believe. That's it. We just got to believe in and believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God that He died for our sins. He was raised from the dead and He's the Son of God. Can you get an amen? amen? Specific belief. But once you do that, you step into, you have access by faith into this grace and you get everything for free. Can you get an amen? amen? You don't earn it, you don't deserve it, right? So what happened right then? God took a moment and He preached the gospel to all of us. See, I'm right here in the middle of teaching, but, but periodically God will just preach the gospel. Because when the gospel is preached under the anointing, faith rises. And peace is deposited in our hearts. Very, very little of what I just said that you don't already know. But you've got to hear it again because just like we ate physical bread, you just ate spiritual bread right there. And I did too while I preached it. Amen. It's the power of the gospel. We never lose sight of that in the midst of all the balancing that God is doing. Very important. First Peter chapter 1 and in verse 23, talking about seed time and harvest, preparing the way for grace... It says, um, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. How many of you know Jesus was that incorruptible seed? Amen. Um, And then uh, 1 Corinthians 15. This will be the final point on this. Um, Talking about Jesus being our seed um, that was sown for us. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 42. It says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. How many of you got a new body coming? Can I get an amen? I have to think in these new bodies we ain't got to go to the gym. You know what I'm saying? I have to think in these new bodies I can eat as many donuts as I want. Can I get an Amen. Hallelujah. I know that man is sweet. Praise God. No push-ups or burpees for me in heaven. I got a new body. Hallelujah. It says, There is a natural body and there's a spiritual body. As it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. How I many of that's what a seed is. It's life-giving. You sow that thing and then it gives life. Jesus was the greatest seed that was ever sown. 
It says, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are made of dust, as is the heavenly man. So also are those who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Can I get an amen? So that down payment of the Spirit has been placed on the inside of you. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God is down on the inside of you. You are born again in your spirit. Your mind is experiencing redemption as you hear truth. And then how many know eventually you get a brand new body? Can I get an amen? amen. But it's all product of a seed that was sown. And so now it says, so we see that grace came through a seed sown. So God actually did not violate His principles of seed time and harvest even with grace. God does not violate anything that He does. He honors it. And a lot of times people preach grace like it's just like God's just taking everything and just kind of, you know, anybody ever cleaned your bedroom and shoved everything underneath your bed or, you know, cleaned it and everyone, jeez, hallelujah, shoved everything under a rug, whatever. I mean, you know, that sin was not just like covered over with mercy. It's really important to understand that because you need to keep, make sure you keep hold of this. You no. Know, God was just in the way He handled sin. And the way He handled sin is He took sin and He condemned it in the body of His Son on the cross. So it was done in a just way. And it, and it actually still honored the principles of seed time and harvest. Amen. Praise God. Without Jesus, there'd be no grace. Without Jesus, there is no salvation. And without Jesus, there is no right standing with God. Because people will try to take these concepts of grace and circumvent the cross and say there was actually no need for the cross. I know, it's, some of y'all look at me like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's, it's, it's prevalent, unfortunately. There's a lot of people who, who are embracing that. But it's not scriptural, though. Because see, what they're trying to do is they're, they're offended at the cross, and they're trying, to make, they're trying to protect God's goodness by saying there was no need for Jesus to die, and there was, and there was no element of... Um, necessity for it. It was just for us in our, in our own minds. That's not Bible, man. You, you're going to have to throw out truckloads of Scripture to embrace that idea. Listen, just because God is just and holy doesn't mean, doesn't mean that it's going to mar His goodness. But some people, because they've been taught this, this concept of this angry God pouring out His wrath on Jesus because God was just so mad He had to beat somebody up, and they've been taught it from that standpoint, now they're rejecting that. And I think that God wasn't so mad he had to beat somebody up. God's not some drunken barroom brawler. You know what I'm saying? He's not. Like, he's not, I'm just mad. i got to hurt somebody. I'm going to hurt Jesus so I don't hurt y'all. That's not redemption, folks. And, And people will present it like that. No, the reality is, is that sin was destructive. And it not only destroyed mankind, it actually shook up heaven as well. Because Jesus said, you know, I'm, don't touch me yet because I've not ascended. Why? Because he had to take his blood and actually purge the heavenlies. Why, God, see, when God gives something, he doesn't just give it casually. God gave man full on authority. He said, I'll rule in heaven, you rule on earth, I give you everything. And the enemy came in and tricked man. And then the enemy took man's authority. And now God's got to fix that thing. And God can't fix it by just going and taking it back from the devil. No, 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 you can't have that. No, God has to operate by his own sense of justice. God has to do the right thing at all times. 
He always must do the right thing. The seat of His authority, the seat of His throne is righteousness. You will ne never catch God doing the wrong thing. Because if He did the wrong thing, then He would unravel and cease to exist because the very habitation of His throne is righteousness. And so it was, and I can't get into the, all the teaching on, on this, but, but it was right and just the way God delivered righteousness to us. It wasn't this casual glossing over of sin and sweeping it under the rug. No, God dealt with all the sin of all mankind and He put it in the body of Jesus Christ on the cross and it's the only way we could be saved. There was no other way. The Bible said if, if it could have come by some law, it would have been done that way, but it couldn't be done that way. That's how expensive grace is. It required God to spill His blood on the ground and die for us and suffer for us and become sin for us. And God said, I love you so much that I'll do anything I need to do to get you back. This entire story is a story of romance and redemption. We are the bride of Christ. And He sought us out and He's paid the dowry. And he's paid the penalty, and he paid the propitiation, and there was a ransom that was due, and God paid it with his blood. That's what kind of Savior you have. You have a Savior that loves you enough to die for you. So don't let anybody try to intellectualize you away from the offense of the cross. Is it offensive? Yes, it is offensive. And it's supposed to be. And you can't pull the offense of the cross out for political correctness or for trying to maintain God's integrity and God's goodness. No. All of that stuff, I'm just going to say it flat out, it's error. It's off. It's wrong. Don't walk down that path. Amen. Praise God. It just don't work. It's not the way God did things. It's not in the book. If you can prove it to me outside of the, if you can prove it to me in the book, that's cool. But you got truckloads of scripture you got to throw away. No, Jesus was a seed that was sown, and he had to be sown, and he had to die so that he could bring forth the harvest of sons and daughters. Amen. So then we go on to say, let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. Excuse me. And so now that we've established the reality of grace, and we've established the reality that the reason that we have grace, is because of seed that was sown, and that seed being Jesus Christ. Now let's, let's move on here for just a little bit, and let's see if, if sowing and reaping is still a reality for the New Testament Christian. Because there are some things that the cross changed, and there are some things the cross did not change. I, I like the way Grant says it. Some things come through the cross, and some things stopped at the cross. I mean, you know, we're not doing animal sacrifices anymore. Can I get an Amen. And, and, and that stopped. There are things that stopped, but there are also things that continue. And one of the things that God said it was going to continue was seed time and harvest. The cross did not change seed time and harvest. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, it says a very strong statement. It says, do not be deceived. In other words, this is an error. Anytime it starts out with that, this is an error where people could be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, don't read ahead. Just listen to me for a moment. <clears throat> that sounds potentially contrary to everything I just said. If you don't understand exactly what it's addressing. Okay? Now, whatsoever man sows, that shall also reap. If you, you could take just that passage of Scripture and you could take it out of context and you could see, see, only the good people get to heaven. See, you got to sow good if you want to get to heaven. 
You've got to sow more good seed than bad seed if you want to get to heaven. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Someone could take that and pull it out of context and insult the work of the cross and actually begin to nullify the grace that Jesus provided through his own death, burial, and resurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, this passage is not talking about salvation. If it were, then the thief couldn't be saved. Thank God for the thief. He's the gold standard of grace by faith. I'm going to thank that brother. He's helped us all out. Because if that brother can make it, we can all make it. Because Jesus was not interested. How many of that thief had sown enough corruption to his flesh to get crucified? And so his harvest was death. But how many know there was somebody next to him that was about to pick up the tab on all his mistakes? While you're dying, I'm dying for you. And my death is different than yours. Because the sin, the sin of that thief was also transferred to Jesus. And Jesus picked up the tab. And that thief's in heaven. And he ain't a thief no more. He's the son of God. Because seed time and harvest, in the sense of salvation, was interrupted and changed after the cross. Because Jesus became the sin. Jesus became the seed. Can I get an amen? No one could ever be saved on their own works anyway. It's never like that. And so it's not talking about that. How many of you know when, when things are in Scripture, how many of you know sometimes we're talking about things in a vertical way? Sometimes we're talking about things in a horizontal way. So vertically, all your sin is paid in full. And, and I'll take it a step further because I'm, I'm just not pulling any punches on this thing any longer. Your sin will never be imputed to you. Ever. That's over. Because your sin was imputed on Jesus. You will never pick up the tab for your sin. You can't. It's impossible because he paid for it for you. If, if sin was imputed to you, then Jesus didn't do a good job on the cross. From God's perspective, all your sin and my sin was taken care of on the cross. Now, by, I'm not saying that sin won't have an effect on your life. I'm not saying that your decisions won't have an effect on your life. How I many of your decisions will have an effect on your life? And if you do dumb stuff, you will get dumb results, and you might get to heaven quicker. That's reality, you know? And so this passage is not talking about a vertical relationship. It's talking about a horizontal. Let's read it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Why is God not mocked here? Because this is a principle that God instituted in the world. He said seed time and harvest is going to last as long as the earth lasts. Nobody gets around this, not even Jesus. This is the way he set things up. God, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. How many of you know that everything you do, everything, everything 
you put in you is a seed sown. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Okay. Let's say I left this place, and let's say I spent the next week watching pornography eight hours a day. Do you think it would have effect on my marriage? Do you think it would have effect on the way that I deal with women? Do you think it would have effect? How many know there would be corruption that would be reaped out of that? Now, it would not touch my born-again spirit. I'd be righteous the whole time. You have to understand spirit, soul, and body. You do not have the ability to break that seal that the Holy Spirit has sealed your spirit with. If you did, then you couldn't get to heaven. <laughs> Amen. God has made it to where you can't mess it up. The incorruptible seed of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ has been sown into you. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God. But if I went and watched pornography eight hours a day for seven days, then by the time I got back up in this pulpit, I wouldn't be the same man. I'd be different. And, and it wouldn't be that God couldn't, I mean, you know, God could recover me out of that. I struggled with pornography for years. Even as a Christian, even as a minister, I struggled with pornography. And I had a sexual stronghold that was in my life for years. Thank God God set me free from all of it. And I've been free for a long time. But I, but I, but I, but if, if I, if I, if I, if I sowed to myself in the flesh corruption, it's going to impact the peace of my mind. How many know my conscience is going to condemn me? How many know it's, it's going to be, my heart is going to condemn me. And what will actually start to happen is I'll start to lose a hunger for the things of God. Sin always does that to you. Can we turn that AC down a little bit? Sin has the ability to harden the heart. It does not change the way God feels about you, but it will change the way you feel about God. And it will also change um, the way you feel about each other. Everybody track them here. Now, let's pull it out of pornography. Let's take it over, oh, let's take it over into some angry stuff. How many know there's music out there that's pretty angry, right? And some of it, I like some of it, to be honest with you. There's some music that, I mean, I'm just being honest, like musically and just the, 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 the giftings and the ability. Some of the world's music's more creative than the church's music. I'm just, can we just be honest for just a minute? But, and, and some of it, there's some, real, there's some stuff I like to listen to when I worked out. But what was happening to me is I was sowing anger into my heart. Every time I would lift, I'd listen, I'd listen to this angry music. And, and you know what happened? I started reaping corruption. And now I'm in traffic, and I'm mad at everybody. <laughs> now I'm dealing with my dog, and I'm mad at my dog, you know, and I'm just, rah! Now down here I have peace and love and joy and kindness and all this, but I've been sowing to myself of the flesh, and it's reaping corruption. I mean, you know, if you listen to music that talks about adultery all day long, don't be surprised if you start thinking about adultery. What you sow into your heart is going to, God's not mocked. Whatever you sow is going to come. It's going to happen. You know, and, and one of the things we did in, in, in our camp is, you know, we have all these teenagers, and uh, man, we just sow nothing but God into them for days. And then on our final day, there's like this explosion of the outpouring of the Spirit. And they're, they're just, why? Because they've been sowing life into themselves. But then, before we're done, I tell them, I'm like, look, if y'all don't tend your garden and you go right back to sowing that same stuff that you sowed into you, don't think 
the, the peace and joy that you're experiencing right now and that feeling of happiness that you have right now, it's going to go away. Because if you sow to your flesh, you're going to have corruption. Y'all tracking me here? And so this is where, now, how many know it doesn't change the way God feels about you? It doesn't change the way, it doesn't change your righteousness. It doesn't change any, or even your right to the blessings of the Lord. How many know someone could watch pornography seven days a week, eight hours a day, and then listen to angry music the whole time, and all these things that are kind of has the spirit of the world on it, and how many know God will still heal them? Come on now, say amen to that. God will still give them a breakthrough. Why? Because they're not the ones that qualify themselves. However, if they're involved in things that is violating their conscience, it's going to be difficult for them to get the accuser off of their shoulders so that they can have confidence towards God because their own heart is condemning them. And this is when your behavior really starts to play a role in the way that you relate to God and you relate to the people around you, right? And so... For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will reap life everlasting. So seed time and harvest is still a thing. Your actions are still important. Can I get an amen? And, and, and see, and I'm not even talking about the impact that your actions have on other people. I'm just talking about the, the impact that your actions have on yourself. Amen? And then he goes on to say, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Everybody say all. See, there's a reason why God tells you to treat people the way you want to be treated. Because when you treat people the way you want to be treated, you're sowing the best harvest you can for yourself. You don't treat people the way they treat you. If you're smart. You treat people the way you want to be treated. I mean, you, know, you overcome evil with good. And, and when God instituted that royal law of liberty of treating each other the way we want to be treated, what God's actually doing, He's saying, I want you to sow the best harvest that you can for your own life. It's crazy, isn't it? It's a different way of looking at things. Everything you do is a seed. Everything you do is a seed. Everything, every word you speak, every action you have, even every thought you think. And what we want to do is we want to, and, and if we're not going to get into this today because we don't have time, but the kingdom is a, is, is a seed that's sown. Can I get an amen? The word of God is seed. And so as you, like today, you're just presenting your heart as an open field for me to take seed and throw it in there. And then if you wise, you'll sow seed into your heart beyond just Sunday morning. You'll sow seed in your heart on a daily basis. And then the kingdom starts functioning in you in righteousness and peace and joy and kindness and goodness and confidence and all the things of the kingdom uh, will start to grow and develop in your life because the kingdom of God itself is a seed, right? And then all the actions that you release is, is a seed. Like I, I refuse to do anything that will make my kids not trust me. Anything. I will not play a joke on them. I will not scare them. I will not break my word to them. I, will, I, want, I want them to trust me. So I'm never purposefully going to do anything that's going to cause them to not trust me. Because when, 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 when and, and not so much when they're little, because when they're little, they just think you're the greatest thing in the world, right? But like 
when, when Ethan, who's 17, when he faces this world and when he goes through the challenges and all the things that are out here in this world, I want every fiber of their being to know that I'm trustworthy. And I don't care what you've done. I don't care what mistake you've made. You can always come to me. Because I've, I've, I've proven to you that I'm trustworthy. Now, it doesn't mean that I always do it. In terms of like, sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes I say, I'm not going to eat the cookies. I eat the cookies. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't sit here and think that I'm, you know, some flawless person because I'm not. But I will never purposely damage trust because it's too valuable. Trust is real easy to destroy and very difficult to develop. Everything you do is a seed. Everything you say is a seed. And so, do you see, and we're closing, do you see where grace and sowing what you reap can exist together? And they're not actually contrary to each other? A couple more places. Romans chapter 8. And basically saying the same thing. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How I many you know that you have to recognize there's a responsibility in your own life for what you put into your mind and into your heart? When I have seasons of taking in too much news, I don't have peace. When I have seasons of watching uh, too many reels and TikTok videos and Instagram videos, I don't have peace. The spirit of the world tries to come on me. I mean, you can start watching a couple videos, and the next thing you know, three hours later, three hours is gone. And you... And, and what's happened is, and I'm not like against entertainment, I'm not trying to talk into being a monk or anything like that, but, but I just want you to be aware of what you're putting into yourself, and if you're putting more of the spirit of the world into you than the things of the kingdom into you, don't be surprised when you don't reap a harvest of peace, love, and joy, and happiness. Everybody tracking me on that? Sometimes I've got to stop myself. I'll start watching some videos because they're funny, they're interesting, they're entertaining, and they only last like 10 seconds. So they're like so easy to watch. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to watch this. This is going to be funny. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, this is funny. Yeah, this is funny. But, but, but the spirit of the world's on it, and what's happening is there's something being sown into me the whole time. Whether it's disrespect for women, whether it's um, covetousness, whether it's whatever it is. How many of y'all, the spirit of the world is not the spirit of God? And I'm not saying there can't be reels that are good ones too, but most of them aren't. You follow me? And, and, and so once again, I'm not encouraging you to be a monk, but I am encouraging you to be aware of what you're putting down into yourself. Because if you don't like your harvest, change your seed. I'm going to. That's a good, I need to say that one a couple times. You know what I'm saying? That's one of those you need to say again. If you don't like your harvest, change your seed. If you don't like your harvest, change your seed. Within the, probably the past couple months, God has told, ch changed the dynamic. I get up in the morning and I read my Bible every day now. Now, I used to do that in order to be right with God. I used to do that in order to be blessed. I used to do that so I could be better than other people. I used to do all that crap. And that stuff will kill you quicker than the world will. Religion is the most evil thing in the world. Because you think you've got a relationship with God and you don't. 
you're trying to earn something. That stuff's death. But now I'm doing it because, like, I need God, and life is hard. <laughs> and so, like, you know what? And you know what's happened to me? As I've continued to do it and I've been disciplined about it and I've made a commitment to, to spend time with the Lord, I'm happier. I have more peace. I have more joy. I'm a better representation of Jesus in the earth to my wife, to my kids, to you guys. Like, everything in my life is better because I've made a decision to sow to my spirit. Y'all tracking me here? I need to be sharp so I can win. If I'm dull, then sometimes the enemy would try to try to you know try to get one over on me or whatever. I need to st- I mean, you know you need to be sharp in the day and age we're living in. I ain't trying to get my butt kicked by the devil. I ain't trying to get deceived or any of those things. I'm gonna stay sharp so I can kick his butt, and so I can help other people too. Right now, let's say that I don't, and let's say I have a season of not doing that. Does it change who I am? No. Does it change the way God feels about me? No. I mean, you know God's gonna pursue me in my mistakes. And rescue me and bring me back to himself in a place of relationship. Can I get an amen? But like if I'm going to enjoy my life, I need to be sowing more to my spirit than to the, than to the flesh. Everybody tracking me on that? And um, praise God. And so that's, I'm, I'm just not going to talk anymore. I'm going to stop. Because we're done. But... I'm not going to, I'm going to put my, this is the first closing. Shut this and then say a couple. No, I'm not that bad. I'm usually pretty good. But, but I just want to just, I just want to, um, you are in control of what goes in your mind. You are in control of what goes in your heart. Nobody else is. And if you want life, so life. You know, one of the things they always talk about in fitness is, you, you know, you can't, you know, there's a guy named Matt Frazier, and he's like this CrossFit guy. He's like the greatest CrossFit guy ever. And I created this uh, moniker, which is not true, but funny. <laughs> Train like Matt Frazier, but eat like Homer Simpson. <laughs> and I've tried that, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Um, what you put into yourself physically is going to have an impact. And I mean, no one, we don't like talking about this, but at the same time, it's true. It's true. Like, I, you know, and I don't want to start, I don't want to walk down that road, but it's reality. Like, what you put into yourself physically is going to have an impact. I can't eat Twinkies all day and expect, like, I'm going to do a great job in the gym. I'm not. My Twinkies will be revealed <laughs> in the gym. Now listen, I'm not anti-Twinkie. I will eat one or two or three or five. I will. And I will until Jesus comes back. I'm going to keep, unless the Lord, you know, gets on to me about it. I'm going to eat. I like to eat. It's fun. Okay? But, but in the midst of my eating, I will eat apples. I will eat oranges. I will eat vegetables. I look at Dan because Dan's like, yes, that's right. Because we all know Dan's going to live 600 years, man. I mean, Dan is probably the most fit person. How old are you, Dan? 70. He's 70. He don't look nowhere near that, does he? He's amazing. He's, ble- he's blessed in his faith, but he also he, he eats vegetables, and he's just awesome, and we love him. But, 
But um, but all that being said, like I will I will eat some other stuff, and you know, check it out. Hey, I may watch a movie. I may watch a sporting event. I may watch a couple reels. I may scroll through a little TikTok. I may take in these things, but I have to know this is junk food. This is not spiritual food. It's not my sustenance, right? I'm going to limit it. I mean, you you can spend so much time on social media, you will hate your life. And the enemy will use it to get you to spend your time comparing yourself to somebody else so that you can't enjoy what you have. Do not allow social media to rob you of your life. Use social media as a tool to share the good news and to stay in touch with people, but never measure your life by what somebody else posts. Because the enemy, he'll, he'll kill your joy and he'll keep you from enjoying your life. And he'll, he'll take shots like that. Don't do that. Everybody you see on there is struggling because they're human. <laughs> Everyone, everyone is challenged, right? So, all right. I'm done. I'm going to shut up. If you need to give an envelope, lift your hand up. We'll get one to you. If you're giving online, go to gracepointgeorgetown.com, and you can give online or you can give through an envelope. Thank you for supporting our ministry. We appreciate that. It's a blessing. We're not selling salvation or selling miracles or healings in this place. It's all free. There's no cover charge when you come in. And if you give, God don't love you more. Hallelujah. It's all the truth. I, however, am grateful that you give. <laughs> Here you go. That's right. And I don't look at your giving. I don't want to know what you give. I don't want to treat, I don't want to treat anybody differently. I don't, that ain't my party. Oh, is it bad? Is it cold now? It's cold, isn't it? I'm sorry. It's clear. It's clearly my fault. You thought it was hot too. All I need is one semi amen, and I'm like, turn the air on, cause I'm hot. Hey, listen. People receive God's word better cold than they do hot. I've been doing this for 20 years. When y'all get hot, you... see, I told you. When you no, it's not. It's that's your wife rebuking me. Stephanie said, I don't want to hear that. I'm turning him up. <laughs> Amen. No, man. When y'all get hot, y'all go to sleep. I know what's up. When I get hot, I go to sleep. I used to, I, we, I used to pastor a, a, a we, we had a Sunday morning service and we did a mid, we did afternoon service. I mean, that's like the dumbest service in the world. And every day I would fall asleep on the front row. I was associate pastor. I would eat and go to church. I'm tired, man. And, and uh, I would fall asleep. Man, Stacey would be so mad at me. She'd be pinching me and elbowing me. And I'd be... It was awful, man. I used to hate it, man. I was pinching myself, smacking myself. I used to pull my arm hair out just trying to stay. That's what religion will have you doing. Because I'm thinking if I fall asleep, I'm not right with God. What's wrong with me, man? I'm like... Religion, you have you plucking your own arm hairs out, man. Dear God. Anyway, praise the Lord. Lord, we ask you to bless this offering, bless your people as they go their way. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We love y'all. Oh, no, we have a couple.